You're listening to The Quest for the Bestest from Backlot Banter. Join us on a side quest as we watch all 10 Best Picture nominees and decide which one we think will take home the big award. Your hosts are Timo Nelson, Abram Buner, Tucker Hazel, and Tanner Dykstra. The episode gets started in just a moment. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Quest for the Bestest. It's the podcast from Backlot Banter, where we view and review all 10 Best Picture nominees. My name is Timo, joined this evening by Tucker, Tanner, and Abram. And today, we are going to discuss the film called Woman Talking. From last year, as all of our Best Picture nominees are, this one directed by Sarah Pauly, starring Rooney Mara, that's how you say her name, Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley, a little bit of Frances McDormand in there, too. This miss it. <laughs> True. Yeah. This is a movie that I think uh, is at least attempting to make some pretty big waves in the industry. And we are going to talk about it. What we liked, what we didn't like, everything about this movie we're going to hit. But before we do that, we should go over what film we talked about last time. Because as you might recall, it was Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans. Or should I say Sammy Fableman's The Spielbergers. Oh, whoa. Insane. Whoa. We gave that film a flat 9.0 which puts it at the fourth place on our list so in pretty good company right around uh tar and the banshees of inna sharon crazy yeah can i just i just have something on my mind okay i've been thinking i've been thinking about the banshees movies okay yes i've been thinking about the banshees episode and the banshees episode is not out as of the time that this is happening soon but i mean i was having a recording yeah yeah, i'm just i i've been preempting my mind the comments we're going to get because we call him Pedrick, or something to that effect. That's not how you pronounce it, right? It's pretty like similar. Auric. It's more it's, like an O sound. I've been yeah, thinking uh, of this. Well, last I, tr- days. I was. I, I think I fluctuated the number of times, but I feel like I was saying like Patrick. Patrick. I, that I, I think it's kind of like Patrick, but messed yeah, up. I'm, yeah. This is just an apology. It's I'm Irish. just pre. I'm preempting the comments we're gonna get. Most likely, frankly, probably from Phil in the Discord. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just preempting. Phil, you're welcome, and I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, Abram, you are so worried about comments. Why don't you worry about our featured comment for this week? Speaking of the Discord, uh, Timo, I also just want to shout out a new member of our Discord. <gasps> oh, yeah. Uh, Al Naz, who we has been leaving some really awesome uh, comments to make us feel good and seem important, uh, yes. praising Quest. But, f- but more excitingly, he's been engaging fairly regularly in conversations just about film. So if you want to talk to us about film more regularly than just the comments section... Uh, join our Discord link is in all the YouTube videos. And if you yes. feel like every single time we put out a new Quest video and it's not the movies that you care about, you can come talk to us about the movies you like in the Discord. Yeah, it's true. True. There is an Personalized option. film reviews, thoughts, all of that good stuff. Yeah. For Mostly, you arguments. In the Mostly, Mostly arguments. Mostly arguments. Mostly arguments with the MCU. <laughs> it is, it yeah. is Discord after all. Okay, hit us with that comment, Abram. I want to talk go about on, this let's movie. Go. Yes. The comment comes from another new viewer, excitingly, and I'm going to butcher the name, so I'm sorry. Perfect. But, uh, Vincent, uh, Vincente Torres uh, Elias Vitz is what I'm going to go with. Thanks. Don't know Sharp if it's names? right. I apologize. Comment again and reprimand me. Because this comment is quite good. They write on our Elvis review the following. Elvis has effective dramatic moments, but overall it's an overly long by-the-numbers biopic. You can't even call it unique since there have already been other dramatizations about the life of the king of rock and roll, including the 2005 miniseries of the same name. While we're on the subject, I'm going to write a sentence that I never thought I would write. Fucking Randy Quaid did a better job than Tom Hanks. What world are we living in? 
But yeah, his performance is bafflingly bad, while Austin Butler's is very good. You'd think that a director known for his colorful and energetic style would be the perfect choice to make a movie about a man who was showmanship personified. Unfortunately, Baz Luhrmann's aesthetic decisions feel limited. The sets, props, and costumes aren't hyper-stylized uh, because they're meant to be historically accurate. His distinct vision is still present when it comes to Mandy Walker's cinematography and Jonathan Redmond and Matt Villa's editing, except that those elements aren't in sync with the beat of the song played in each scene. Most of the cuts, angles, and camera movements seem to happen at random. Five out of ten. What do we think? Well, I dissent. I disagree. I dissent. Yeah. I dissent. Next time, yeah, my, my one critique on your comment, very well written, very thoughtful, bringing into conversation other versions of, of Elvis's life I wasn't familiar with. It's all really great. One piece of feedback, though, agree with us in the next comment. <laughs> yes, be yeah. right next time. Constructive Tar. criticism. Um, for you specifically, not for us. Don't right. don't do any sort of criticism of us. Oh, dear say. commenters, the quickest way to the featured comment section of the next episode is to pat our egos. That's yeah. True. Oh yeah. There we go. Well, that's actually true because whenever because whenever there's one that says I agree with Abram, he specifically picks out that one. <laughs> that's true. He does. You could disagree <laughs> with Abram, but as long as you wrote that, he just likes reading it out loud. Yeah. If you signal my name somewhere in there, I'll sure. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll find it's it. He's a candy man. Say it too many times, like, oh, must read your comment. All right, all right. Let's 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 get into the episode. Settle here. down, settle down. Let's talk about a very serious and very unfunny movie. Women talking. What did you guys think of it? Or should we give a little plot synopsis of the film first? Or should we just dive into our thoughts? You know what, Timo? I'll do both. I'll give I'll give a little I'll give a little context, I'll give a little plot synopsis. Um so what we have here in Women Talking. Uh, it is based on a 2018 novel, I believe, of the same name. Takes place in an undisclosed location in uh, North America. North America, I would say, could be Canada, could be U.S. Who's to say? Um, but it is the year 2010, and you wouldn't know it because we are in a Mennonite colony. Was, uh, the women are not taught to read or write. At least pretty hardly, sure hardly are. it was the Mennonites. Uh, Tanner, can I actually yes. interject? I have a question Go for it. you. Yeah. Uh, at at risk of of tarring myself again and missing mm-hmm. information, I got you, Abram. Is it was it known that this film takes place in 2010 widely? Because I was under the assumption that it was a period piece from like colonial America. Um, I mean, largely, uh, from the from the trailers and stuff like that, you wouldn't really know. I mean, you do see sure. like the car drive past in the tra- in the trailers. So you're like, oh, maybe it's like 1960s, 70s, maybe. But no, it is a contemporary film. Um, and I will say, based on a 2018 novel, which is a sort of fictional response to uh, a similar incident that happened in a Mennonite colony in the mid-2000s in Bolivia. So this is the sort of uh, the transition of, uh, of events that got us to the film Women Talking. But anyway, we're in a Mennonite colony, obviously very unequal based on uh, gender and sex. Uh, women are not ta- taught to read or write. They are taught to be servants to their husbands. Um, and of course... Uh, the film is about uh, a years and years of rape and abuse that these women have been subjected to by the men of the colony. All of a sudden, all the men uh, go off to town to sort of uh, pay bail for one of the men who has been taken to jail um, because of these things. Um, and the women have to decide. They form a sort of a group, a council, if you will, to decide whether they should stay and fight and try to change the colony for the better or if they should abandon the colony altogether pick up their lives, and go on into the horizon to find something else uh, for themselves. And uh, 
The film is largely concerned with those discussions, what are the pros and cons of these things, and uh, the perspectives and relationships of the women on this council and in this colony. Mm -hmm. Now, before we go any farther, um, I'm going to issue a trigger warning because this movie deals heavily with themes of sexual assault and rape, and there's absolutely no way we can talk about it without also discussing those. So if if you can't handle that kind of stuff, like probably tune out this episode. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, now, and your thoughts, Tanner? You were going to give us the double whammy. Yes, I'll give you. I'll give you the thoughts here as well. Um, I saw this uh, roughly a month ago. Had to drive over an hour to go to a different theater to see this because uh, not widely released. Women talking. Unfortunately, we'll talk about that later. Good yeah, God, we'll yeah. T- um, but I really enjoyed it that time. I thought it was very powerful. I loved the performances in here. Very pure ensemble film, as Tucker and I were just talking about earlier. Uh, earlier this evening. Um, and yeah, powerful performances, great script from Sarah Polly based on that adapting from that novel. Um, I know there are some dissenters about the color grading cinematography choices in this film. Uh, we'll get to all that in due time, but overall, very much an enjoyer of women talking. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go next, just hop in, upset yeah. the, uh, upset the order of things and, um, and say that while the proverbial apple cart, yeah, mm-hmm. This film I found to be really difficult to watch um, in terms of its content and the way that it tells its story. Um, not in like a bad way it tells its story. I think in, the, in like the literal construction of how it conveys information is very difficult yeah. at times to like sit there and f- keep my eyes open as I watch these horrible, horrible things be shown and also discussed and really like worked through. But I found that it because it's so difficult to watch, it is very, very powerful because it doesn't hold anything back at all. And um, what the film has to say, I think, is a a unique and nuanced way of winding your way through this maze of topics and issues about, like, what do these women do when they are faced with this un, unimaginably horrible situation? And so I think that the film does a lot of the basics very well and then tells us a unique and thought-provoking story that really questions um it questions me i'm thinking oh you just got to stand up and fight you just, like you know fight for your right for what you believe in and the film says well hold on let's think about that let's really think about what we are doing and i appreciate the uh the the time and space that it gives to these very very important discussions but I will note, this is like the shortest movie we've seen, and it actually it felt like the longest, which is, uh, oh. that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I think, um, I think Women Talking is a very sobering film for a number of reasons. Uh, it's, what's interesting about it is the, the plot is really in the name. It took, as we got to maybe 30 minutes into the film or so, and I recognized, oh, we are really just going to be having this dialogue for the hour and 40 there's there's really not a whole lot of plot movement there really it is literally just about these women talking and and i think that that speaks to the maybe the issues with pacing as we can talk about timo because i I think you're right in part but i think it also speaks to to the uh to the novelty of the script and the ways that it forces you to remain in this moment i i think that the ways it it constructs this situation in which the only respite from these layered dialogue conversations are these absolutely brutal and 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 graphic asides 
mm-hmm. of 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 the women after they've been raped or assaulted in however way they were um it, it's it feels like you can't escape the moment and, and mm-hmm. any any attempt the film makes to literally escape that that barn is arguably more horrifying than the implications of what they're dealing with within it and i think that uh to that end the script is absolutely beautiful i'm not sure i say the same about the cinematography and we can talk about that mm-hmm. but but i think that women talking is a very complete and powerful and sobering vision but i do think that a lot of that can be attributed almost entirely to script and performance i'm not sure that the film really does a whole lot for me beyond that so it's in this interesting space for me where i think that this is an essential film to watch if you can stomach the intense imagery and and subject matter but i wouldn't say for me this is even really in the contention for best picture in my opinion i don't think the holistic product of women talking is as strong as that material that it covers and the way that it conveys that information and the performances attached to it yeah uh, it, it's a film that I've seen once before as well. I actually saw it with my mom the first time. We saw it in Alma Draft House in Austin, and, and she came out of it, and we had a very powerful discussion about the implications of some of the things that had been said and the fact that this was taking place in 2010. It was a contemporary film, as we were talking about, um, and I think what makes this film a step above in terms of its themes is that context of these women who are having a conversation and recognizing the fact that they have not been educated, that have been denied so many of the right, like what we perceive as basic human rights of learning about the world and understanding your place um, and being treated fairly in, in, in whatever circumstance it is. The way that they discuss education and religion, I think, compounds these issues in a really fascinating thematic way that I don't think I've ever seen really tackled, especially not to this depth before. I think the reason this film appeals to me is because I like films that are truncated. This is a single location film, you know, 75-80% of it is in this one barn, but outside of that, you know, a field, another house, maybe. It's very it's very small location-wise. And even though it's big open fields, you feel the, um, the fact that this is taking place only in one small colony to be a, a, an oppressive force in and of itself. They, these women literally have no concept of the outside world. They've never seen a map before. And I think that, that adds to that pressure, this sort of even though it's like beautiful open skies and fields of soybean, I don't know what they're growing out there. Uh, it's It still feels contained in a really interesting way. And I also love how in the nitty gritty, it gets into the morality of this conversation. I've almost never seen a film that is so focused on just figuring out like, what should we do? And talking through every possible like fracture of where these branches could lead. And that concept of staying focused on one debate is what appeals to me so much in watching uh, courtroom dramas, which are another mm. um, genre of film that I gravitate towards. Um, and But this does put a really unique spin on that, is it's not you know primarily educated older white men who are bantering back and forth in, in a courtroom and they've got their ties on. That's what the genre really is. But using those tropes of people arguing with one another and being contained to one room and having to really think through each step, um, but through the lens of, women who have women primarily obviously um but also who don't have education who whose morality is based in religion that they've never even thought to possibly question um and that they have this very personal connection to the stakes at hand this is going to be not only their lives how is it going to impact their lives 
but the framing of the narrative around telling mm-hmm. the story to a future child of this is what life was like before and the process of thinking through it is is something that will impact generations and generations to come and that's i think the, the most powerful aspect of this of course there's the discussion of these these traumatic events that are not usually portrayed in films but the idea that discussions like this, having discussions like this and portraying them in film and understanding the stakes that are at hand is something that can affect and will affect generations to come and that's like this is a microcosm of that and the fact that this film got nominated for best picture means it'll always at least somewhat if you're an oscars nerd like we are be in that conversation of like this film happened you have to see it because it was a best picture nominee and then makes you think about those things and how will that shape um, discussion of these going forward i think that's all like metatextually very fascinating but i i gotta put a big big stinking button this is i don't think this film is as amazing as it could be maybe it's a very subjective thing but the characters i found to be very similar they're all obviously dressed similarly they have similar backgrounds they're all just a bunch of bunch of white women in a barn and it was kind of difficult even on my second watch to differentiate people or remember what their relationships were to the other older younger women in that room or what their history was and because the characters felt very samey i was focused more on the sort of mesh of moral communication but not not the characters not their arcs and that's something that i really gravitate towards in film and this was it was there there was some fi- there were some fine character moments but i think the film doesn't concern itself with that but i think there's a stronger women talking script out there that is a little bit longer and gives us a couple like draws us into a couple more of the characters so we really fully understand where they're coming from as opposed to here, which is this is an ensemble piece first and foremost, and it's trying to give as much as it can to everyone. And because I don't feel like I was in the shoes or really understood the thought process of of, of all of the characters, if, if any of them. Hmm. Tanner, okay. lots of thought. Yeah, lot to think <laughs> lot, about yeah that was there. a lot. Uh, but uh, but where so, should we uh, begin? I was trying to like I was trying to like uh, what, what where can I say this? Where can I segue into this stuff? But yeah, I will just say, of course, I'll do the nominations. Very simple for women talking. Nominated for Best Picture and Best Adapted Screenplay. Hmm. No acting nominations for women talking, which I, uh, first time watching it, was like, hmm, that's too bad. And now on a rewatch following the nominations, I'm like, hmm, that really sucks. Because I think, and Tucker, to to disagree with you a little bit, that the uh, actors, the performances, and the characters are also very strong in this. They have to portray this changing, this shifting of perspectives on um a a decision that means the world it's monumental to them their children like you were saying and i think that the, the script and the actors the actresses do a very good job in this i have to specifically shout out my favorite performance of the film and uh i i know that you said last night at least that it was maybe your least favorite was uh claire foy um i think she is fantastic from the word go in this opening uh sort of montage of events as we're getting a narration we're getting settled into the environment of the film we see her she she attacks the the shack these men are being held in the like the the makeshift holding cell for them she attacks it with like a scythe and attempts to kill them from the in the opening minutes of the film claire foy in this film to me her character is rage it is righteous rage of course you side with her immediately because you're like of course you would want to, you know, inflict violence back upon them, seek revenge for what they had done to you, to other women, to her four-year-old daughter, as she reveals about about uh, 
nearly an hour into the film. And I think that Foy really translates the rage that she feels uh, into understanding of the other women's perspectives of why they need to leave, of why they cannot stay and fight, uh, why that and how that fits into her faith that she still abides by. But uh, acts quite blasphemes. She she blasphemes a number of times in this film, uh, and the women's reactions that are very interesting. How she said she will kill, she wants to kill for, because of this. And yeah, I, I just love Claire Foy in this. But Jesse Buckley, of course, is fantastic. Rooney Mara, uh, as we said, um, I don't know the actors' names for uh, the two older women in the barn, but I thought they were also very good. I um, have them actually. Oh, you do? Uh, Look okay. at you. Yeah, Judith Ivy and Sheila McCarthy. Yes, Sheila. Sheila McCarthy. She plays Greta, I believe, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. The the um the the thinner woman, and yeah, with she glasses, is. Yeah. yeah, with the glasses, she's super good. I I thought uh, maybe my second favorite performance of the film. But yeah. where do you guys want to go with uh with these talking performances here? I will say that Rooney Mara is my favorite performance. Ona, I think this. The relationship with August, the little, the, our blossoming romance, but also her perspective and as kind of our central character, if you could call her that, in the, yeah. um, in the ensemble, she is narrating the film, pulling us forward. But I think she- Not her. It's not her? She's not narrating. No, it's one oh, of the younger oh, girls. Yes. You're right. But yeah. she is pregnant during these scenes. And, mm -hmm. and so we, we get lots of shots of her like- thinking and caressing her baby in her belly and like thinking like, well, what does this go forward? But I find that she has the most interesting stuff to say and is always like shaking up the, uh, the scenes and, and really causing the paradigm to shift for these women. And, uh, I think that her performance is really affecting the stuff with her in August, like really, really got me, um, made me very emotional. I, um, I think that as an ensemble cast, the film does a pretty good job of actually differentiating these characters. When I'm thinking about them in my head, I think of their personalities as being very well differentiated and displayed. We have our hot-headed ones who want to kill. We have the ones who just want to leave and don't want to have anything to do with it. And their choice in what they want to do like, is very indicative of their personality. And I feel like the film allows us to see into their thinking through the way that they, you know, how they pick a, um, a solution. And then the ways that they talk about it, like gives us a very big insight into the, I think the religion is super important in this film. I really think we got to talk about that because of the way it doesn't double. It doesn't, the film continues to hold the religion as like a central concept or a central tenet of this community that they can't give up and they kind of don't which i find very admirable i was expecting them to almost yeah i think um to sort of weave between what all of you guys have been saying i think part of the reason why they not run together but maybe don't feel as distinct as they otherwise would have in a different script is that women talking really is not concerned in my opinion that much with the audience understanding the the before uh, of, of where the narrative takes place it's not a very yeah, yeah, traditionally yeah. structured narrative in that what feels like should be in a different film the act our first act the discussion mm -hmm. the inciting incident we leave the entire film is the discussion and we're we're into the uh into the barn so quickly 
that we don't come to understand the uh, even the the basic like familial relationships between people as we enter. But ultimately, I don't really think the film is concerned with that. I think what the film is concerned with more, as Timo is saying, is differentiating these people not through name or through personality traits, but the ways in which they come to embody these different perspectives. And in yeah. my opinion, almost different emotions. For me, I almost view the film kind of metaphorically as though like the barn is a brain and all of these people are almost like inside out-esque characters mm. in, where, wherein they are an emotion or a through line or a thought yeah. that are mm. all in conversation with each other. Now, this is more of just like how I perceive the narrative i don't think that's a very like supported metaphorical reading of the film but i i think nonetheless the fact that we have all of these clashing perspectives not only allows for incredible moments of frustration to come to the surface i think to your point tanner claire foy is exceptional in all of the monologues she delivers but especially the one in which she talks about men raping her four-year-old child i mm -hmm. I, i'm I, to me moments like that are this synergy between the success of the script and the success of the performance and to me women talking is the marriage of those two facets of, of film and that's what it is but it is also i think not as concerned about differentiating characters because it is really concerned in my opinion foremost with the discussion about about a perspective that we could never understand which is what happens to these women when they are victimized and the the recourse is not purely legal it becomes mm -hmm. interpersonal and it becomes emotional it becomes and moral does, it's a it's a purely it's a purely moral quandary yeah. for them there's no there's no question of really legality they, they really don't concern themselves with no. whether or not the men who did this go to prison they're like what are we going to do uh, well, they also, know, it, I think, specifically mention a couple points of why they don't concern themselves with it. They're not going to the police. They're not worried about what's going to, or they are worried about what happened when the when the men come back. But what ha what's happening in the town as mm -hmm. some of them are locked up and they're posting bail or whatever is because they recognize that there is no way for them to express this legally. Frankly, I don't even think they're aware of the legal system or or the fact that they have like legally they have the right to go and report the actions that have been reported mm. to them because I don't think that almost any of them have ever even left their colony. Maybe they've gone to, to sell their crops at a market or whatever, but I think that insularity of how little they know about modern America, about, about the, their rights as, as people that living in modern America keeps it like detached from what you expect a conversation of this kind to be. If, these sort of actions were happening to someone that we know in our communities, we would say, yes, find a legal way to approach this, to distance yourself from the people that have caused you harm, to allow there to be legal repercussions. But they only have like interpersonal repercussions of, look, if the men come back and they continue doing this and we let them get away with it, that is, on that is only on our lack of um, taking a stand. And and not teaching our children, which I think the te we got to get to the teaching part. That's one of the most interesting things of the movie. Um, it's very interpersonal in that way. They see it as us and the people we know. There's not this 
society at large or legality at large that inform every one of our decisions on in uh, on like criminal actions like we think of crime we think of okay the police and the trial system and yada 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 not not people like ideas and concepts and like structures social structures not like what what we we're stripped down to the bare minimum here of you did this i do this and what's the outcome i think that's really fascinating Mm -hmm. in some ways i think that the the setting i want to talk about the setting of this film because to me i feel like it it there is more to it than just look at how horrible it is that these these women are are entrapped in this in this community in 2010 look how horrible it is that this stuff is happening in 2010 i don't really think it's about 2010 i don't think i think the film is trying to push us beyond that into a realm where it's like look at how horrible this shit is like it doesn't matter when you think it is no matter like and that it doesn't matter if you think that they could go to the judges because the way that their society works is that the men rule and the way that our yeah. society works is the men rule it. And so like, while the film uses our setting to, I feel like not trick, but mis- mislead our viewers to thinking down one path when in reality it's another is actually making poignant commentary about our current 2023 lives, or at least the way that women in this country and across the world live their lives. But I, I had not reached my, I, I would probably have to like watch the movie again and maybe read like a review or something to come to this like full thematic grasp of what's going on. Cause I think it is operating at a pretty high level in terms of yeah. like, not just what is, what are the characters saying and what are the characters, what are these points that they're discussing amongst each other? But like, what is the film saying by having these characters talk about this stuff? Mm. I think, I think what's interesting about it to your point, Timo, is that, so I came into the film having no clue about time or place i thought to myself at one point in the first half of the movie before the big reveal i was like what time is this i was like i have no idea when this is taking place because they'd set up their religious insular community Mm. yeah yeah the only signal is that they've got the orange don't hit the back of the carriage the the slow vehicle hazard yeah 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 hard to notice that blindingly orange uh so i i think it's very obvious but um, that could also be from, like, any time period within the last, like, 50 years or what. I don't know when they invented that. Yeah. Right. I I, th- I think what's effective about it, and I think what's effective about it releasing in our moment is, like, legis- in terms of both legislation and, like, social conversation, there's a real regression of women's rights. And, and I think it's an especially, this is an especially prescient film when you draw into conversation the, the sort of... Um, social cachet that someone like an Andrew Tate might have in the culture that is sort of rewarding these sort of regressive and misogynistic values towards women at the same time that our governmental structures are doing the same. I I think the ways that the film sort of paints us in in a way out of time, but also in a way that as viewers situates us in this uncomfortable and uncanny position wherein our contemporaneous society feels colonial I think it is in part a reflection of sort of the political climate we're in because this is very stupid. But I started thinking to myself, this is like, I'm just trying to ground it in various ways. This narrative is taking place two years after Obama has been elected for the first time. Mm-hmm. This narrative is taking place 
after Iron Man has been out and after people have been playing Halo and all of this stuff. You think about all of these things that make our and, world... And like, in like two, not very many years, like four years, gay marriage will be legalized across the country. Right. You think about all these things, both trivial, as I'm saying, or very socially important, as you're saying. And then you, and, but then you, you ground that against this, this place that feels in part like it's like, like we, we should be marching off the Civil War, maybe, or doing something. Yeah. And, and I think that that forces me to contemplate the decisions that, that people in political and social power in 2022 are making that don't put us in a, or three, that don't put us in a world that looks like this but has values that walk back towards it. Has a lot of and values think, that go that way, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's, to me, the the real sobering element that I mentioned when we began. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's also timeless in the fact that it's purely moral quandaries. Again, I, I, as, I, as we addressed earlier, um, I was listening to, after I saw the film, I listened to the Mark Maron interview with Sarah Polly, uh, where they sort of talk about her entire career, but of course, you know, they, they address this film in, in particular. Um, and something that she said was that uh, what she was she was writing in the part where I believe it's the character you pronounce it Mayall, uh, mm-hmm. the the shorter one with glasses, um, where she sort of breaks down and has a panic attack, and afterwards she says. They made us disbelieve ourselves. And she singles out, singles out yeah. that line in particular um, in, in this interview saying, in that time, in their, in their faith, they are made to believe that they are being, you know, sort of foolish because they are women or they've been misled and tricked by Satan even. Yeah. Um, whereas today in our, in our modern world, that happens to women who experience rape and abuse, but it's in the court system. It's, are you sure you experience like, yeah. You experience this in this he way. He said, she said. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what 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 color shirt was he wearing? What time was this exactly? And making making these women doubt themselves in these way. The f- women talking is full of sort of these um, connected these connective tissues where Sarah Polly and uh, I guess the the original author of the book um, is able to connect these things in in seemingly s- worlds and ideals that are so disparate. You know, a Mennonite colony who are trapped in like I don't know the 1890s or something like that, and 2010 America, and 2022 America, or, or excuse me, 2023 America. But yeah, there is there is so much connective tissue there, and that is a a testament to the writing of this film, but of course a a uh, condemnation of the modern world in which we live. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do want to talk about you know the modern world in which we live. Timo, you brought it up. You know our still very male-dominated world, uh, how this film addresses the patriarchy as a societal structure, I think is very interesting. Because, of course, we've talked about a lot of the performances here, but one that we've neglected to bring up is Ben Wishaw as mm-hmm. August, the sole male, well, adult male character in the film. And how he yeah, just like the exudes, only speaking male part in the film. Yeah, how he exudes such gentleness and patience uh, in his performance and his, uh, you know, being a, a secretary and taking the records for these women and their discussion. Yeah. I think it, I think it's fascinating. And the one moment of Ben Wishaw that sticks with me is when they ask him if these young boys are a threat to women. And he has this monologue where he says um, they are creatures of, of unbridled emotion, including empathy, but they have little impulse control. And 
how young men, Abram, you brought up Andrew Tate, and that's a fantastic example, can be molded in such ways to be, you know, to be predatory, to be abusive, or, you know, in, in the line of August in this film, to be patient and empathetic. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's very, I think it is very measured in the way that it talks about um, the patriarchy. Yeah, I think that his inclusion is what makes this film feel so thematically whole to me. I think the fact that we have a different male perspective, one that is different even from what the traditional man in this in this community would be like. He has been exiled for years. His role is out, out of an educated person who has returned solely not to support this community in, in sort of its oppressive way, but to hopefully work to free it and, and free the future children by educating them of kindness, of empathy, and, and hopefully understanding that there can be a better future. I think that his simpleness is what makes his character so powerful and it's when he is making very simple movements of putting his head in his hands or or um writing something down furiously you can see is like being very focused uh, and the ways that he responds to the women and by recognizing the role that he plays in the situation which is in, in so incredibly unique i can't even like compare it to another male role in a film of he's he's the outlier here he's the man in the room and but not in the powerful way, in the way of I need to understand that my perspective does not add water to their conversation, but can add context as an educated person. I think that his the way that he talks about um, about the stars and about about um, centrifugal force, and he understands all these scientific concepts that we were taught in in high school, relatively basic education for us, maybe even um, earlier. True. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I learned what the stars were probably elementary school easily. Um, Not me. I only got to that in college. <laughs> but I think that he is, he's, he again, as I said, he's what makes this film feel so um, thematically whole because he brings this outside perspective about education and about a male perspective that makes it feel like we, us as a group of white boys, have someone to be the the emotional in of a male character and the way that he talks about educating is one of the most interesting parts of this movie and where i think that it feels so salient to um the larger message of education and understanding and making choices can be what impacts future generations it's him saying the the boys can be taught yes they are dangerous yes they they pose a threat but if you you take the risk with the presumed positive that there is a way to teach these younger men to be better, to be the better men that will change your lives and why you should take them with you. is Yes, they pose a small threat, but that doesn't mean that you need to completely ostracize them because there is that potential. And it gives, it, it gives the movie that spark of hope that I think is really exceptionally powerful, especially in those sequences of him doing narration and just a bunch of boys in old-fashioned clothing like mucking about and like walking on top of a fence and and throwing a ball and spanking a horse i don't know what they're doing but like it, it gives it this like this hope for the future that i found mm -hmm. really really powerful yeah i think the film has a lot of hope i'll just throw this one little bit where the film emphasizes this notion that like your people are not born as assaulters they are not like there's this the line where um ona says like 
you know, even though this baby of mine is from a man who attacked me, I love the baby because the baby did no wrong, just like the man that attacked me did no wrong when he was before he was born. And I think the film is it takes a a holistic approach to like understanding this battle essentially in where it says that it's not about you are like this because you are a man. You are like this because you're a woman. It's like you are like the way you are because of how you've been taught and how you've been yeah. modeled and that, yeah, babies are innocent and they don't. And even if the baby that you like, you know, is illegitimate, might have health problems like these women are choosing to love them because they see no way that the baby has done any wrong. And I find that in this discourse, especially regarding sexual assault, the sexual assault of women, especially on mass like this, it can get to the point where you're like, yeah, like every single dude is horrible. And in this village, they all are because they all support each other. Right. But except for August, who's there hanging out. And that's why, you know, he's a good dude because he's not in town. So the way that this film doesn't fall into the trap of just being like men bad, like all men are horrible because some men or in this movie, most men do this thing, do these, yeah. not this thing. I'll be specific. Commit horrible acts. I I'll need a minute to get this all out, but but okay. to me this character this character of August is very very important to me, um because I think that the notion of teaching men is so important and teaching men through example, and I think that first just on a filmic level Ben Whitshaw brings a lot to this role in terms of sort of this forlorn and emotionally wrought character. You see it in his eyes a lot. And you see it in this sort of wavering smile he has, wherein in a very... Uh, a, for, for the constructions in pop culture and, and film, atypically masculine, but in, in, the, in my opinion, I, uh, archetypally, importantly masculine way of putting himself aside to be there for these women as they need mm -hmm. the restraint he's able to convey on his face, I think is an amazing acting moment. I also just think that it is such a powerful message because what he's conveying in that uh, monologue he gives at the end is the truth in that a lot of these conversations in our world, when they end up talking about rape and about patriarchy and men, we end up in this sort of reductive sort of like, conservative commentator not all men talking point the way you sort of end up with a not all cops talking point or whatever in which you sort of individualize an issue but i think what is so great about the portrayal of this character and how he's written is that he makes it a systemic issue but not as you're saying timo a blanketly systemic issue there there is a nuance to it and there's a solution and the solution is education and the solution is a positive display of masculinity. And I think that there's something really wonderful about this character who is struggling with deep mental health issues to the point where he is planning to kill himself before he gives the gun away at the end of the film. Wherein we see this man who is deeply flawed and, and working through his own challenges, but supporting the people around him and being a role model for, for emotional vulnerability and for empathy 
important for education because while he is more educated, there is no quote unquote mansplaining or whatever you want to say. It is very organic. He he is a very good person, and also and ultimately, what the film is saying is we need more good role models. I yeah. think that's a big theme of the film, and it's a theme I resonate with quite quite a lot because I do not think in our real world, in a pop culture sense in particular, that there are many good male role models. And part of what I take away from the film is not only an opportunity to get a perspective on sexual assault that I could never understand through these women, but oh, a, an illustration that I can point to of the importance of good male role models who are emotional, albeit strong, but in ways wherein those ideas are in conversation, not opposition with each other and so i love this character and i think it's so beautifully reinforced by that performance and alongside claire foy i would have also loved a nomination for ben Whitshaw for supporting actor yeah, yeah. judd um, hirsch yeah well uh ben yeah, Whitshaw, hey, by hey, the way is q in no time to die yes if you didn't know the that. other he's and he's, also, he's q uh, in most of the james bond movies as of least he's also the voice of paddington Oh, really? I did not know that. Yeah. Know oh, that. man, love him even more now. Exactly. Uh, but Abram, thank you for bringing up Claire Foy, because we, 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 we talked about how Ben Wishaw's August fits into this narrative. But I really want to get back to uh, the heart of the film, which is, I think, our, our, our trinity of performers that are Rooney Mara as Ona, Claire Foy as Salome, and uh, Jesse Buckley as Mariche. Um, I, I think it's really interesting how each of them really embody um one of the three choices that these that this the women of this colony have to make ona is very much in line with the uh the, the more pacifist uh line of just leaving we have to leave because that is the the most logical best uh least violent option uh whereas uh claire foy salome uh is very much like stay and fight she means it in the most literal sense, of course. She's she's going to get violent, uh, but she she feels that there needs to be retribution wrought on these men. Um, and then Jesse Buckley's um, Mariche is interesting in that she is a product, or she she's been she 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 is a victim uh, of abuse. Her she has children that are anchoring her to this place, and she feels as though they need to stay and forgive these men because this is their home. She has a family here. Um, and, and that's what needs to be done to move forward. Um, and how each of these perspectives shifts over time is really interesting when they do end up, uh, you know, more closely aligning with, um, Ona's point of view, leaving. But even the, the idea of leaving and forgiveness is brought up in this yeah. mm -hmm. and how I have a specific line about forgiveness. If you want me to yeah, read that yeah, out, yeah, just, just, yeah. Hit me with that Tucker. Um, it was, uh, is forgiveness forced upon us true forgiveness? And there was some context and, and after yeah. context, um, but I, th I thought that rhyme was very powerful. So much yeah. so, I wrote it down. Yeah. Wow. Um, um, more from that Sarah Polly uh, interview on Mark Maron's podcast is um, she, she, she brings up this notion of how do you forgive people who uh, took advantage of their position between inst inside of institutionalized sexism and misogyny? Um, and that's something that Bruni Mar brings up. She's like, we will eventually f have to forgive these men. And that, that's born out of their faith, of course. And uh, your own personal feelings on that can be drawn out from your moral system. But she feels as though that they do eventually have to forgive them. And the only way that that can happen is if they remove themselves from their presence. 
if they can mm. and, and they can eventually forgive them in a spiritual sense mm. yeah and i i just i just have a lot of thoughts on um how that sort of how their faith influences all three of these characters how they influence like this idea of democracy that is in this film and yeah. coming to a consensus from multiple different perspectives feuding perspectives forgiving one another recognizing your own you know your own blind spots in your perspective um i i, I think it's quite beautiful in how it uh portrays and weaves together uh these characters in this way yeah I think that the that the idea of education versus faith or or education and faith, I think is another one of the very fascinating themes that this film wrestles with because their morality comes from a place of not only lack of education, but the root of their education and their decision making and their morality being we need to do this because the elders have told us this is so, our our faith tells us this is so. And if we are subverting that, whether it's for what we perceive to be good or bad, there are the religious consequences of, if we, if we leave, we can't get into heaven. Like, there's multiple moments where, like, don't you, don't you want to go to heaven? Like, that's the ultimate goal of all of this. And as someone who's not religious, I often find it very difficult to ground morality and decision-making, obviously not my own, but understanding others' decision-making in the religious context. But I think this film does a pretty good job, I, I, as good a job as I think you can do, to yeah. sell the idea of this religion meaning so much to these women that they're making the ultimate choice to push back against it in a, in a serious way, but the, in a way that they sort of reconcile with their face, which I, which I find really fascinating, uh, especially because they have, they're, they're using um, discussion as a kind of way to educate each other about what they know about the world is they each bring somewhat of their own perspective, whether it's because they have a certain experience with their own husband or the way that they were assaulted in the past or their age, um, variety of ages uh, in this group. They don't have traditional education. They can't read. They can't write. I really think that the moments where they're like, yeah, we don't know what these things say because we were never taught that. It'd be very fascinating. And they contextualize this conversation about faith and about different perspectives in the mo in the most insular way that you can is just talking to each other divorced of larger reality like we're, we're going to have a conversation about morality we're going to bring in politics we're going to br bring in like differing religious structures but frankly i'm not even sure they know that there are other religions out there or how aware they are of the united states as a place or the, as it really like a legal system or government systems, these things that shape our discussions of of morality and of, of our opinions on things, like we can't divorce ourselves from that. So it's really refreshing to get such a distinct perspective from people that operate entirely different from me. They are religious rural women, and I have never been and never will be any of those things. Uh, and so I, I really find it fascinating how even as someone who is like pretty much 180 on a lot of those a lot of those um labels i'm able to understand through the meticulous thought process this movie's so meticulous with okay someone brought this up let's talk about that for 3 or 4 minutes and bring it to an interesting close that ties it in thematically and starts us on our next conversation it sparks a spark in someone's mind that will come up next scene or will come up a couple scenes from now i find that that pacing to be very very fascinating your thought, Tucker, about 
the film being very narrow focused in its morality discussion kind of I'm not going to go back into the setting, not going to rehash that, but it does make me think that there is a version of this movie that exists not set in this colony in which we do bring all of those other elements in. And I think that because I think that your your basic premise can be set up anywhere in the world. It's true anywhere. But the discussions could become muddled and clouded by all these other aspects of modern life yeah. that by stripping them away and placing our characters in a setting where we don't where they don't think about them and then as an audience we don't have to think about them leads mm-hmm. us to this like very narrow and very focused moral discussion that plays out in the film that doesn't yeah. imagine it does, if and it doesn't it ver- doesn't feel like it wanders it doesn't feel like we're going off track it feels like everything is so tightly like tightly knit as as the community is i guess to and that like draws me through draws me through the film because i don't feel like i'm wasting time learning about having them talk about something that they doesn't seem important you know yeah but especially because you can easily imagine a version of this taking place elsewhere in a a more urban community one one that has more education and and vastly differing perspectives where the the group of women are Half religious, half non-religious, and guess what? It never gets anywhere because the only like moral, the basis of their morality is so vastly different that like the women who don't want to leave because they don't, they want to go to heaven. That's their perspective, and the ones who are like, oh no, that's a bunch of bullshit. Like, of course we're gonna leave. That's that's better for us and for our future. Like those would ne- like the polarity of our of our society uh, is is so antithetical to like the progress that they were able to make here. But I think that. Through the education that the education theme of this movie, it like even that can be brought to our ridiculously polarized uh, conversations. Um, I I, I want to bring up because I I feel like our discussions of how the religion influences these characters and their decisions is sort of uh is sort of missing a key element, a key line in this film, and it comes from Greta, one of the two older women in this in this council, and she says um. We are leaving because our faith is stronger than the rules, hmm. and I find that I, I I find that to be one of the key lines of the entire film, and, and and really the key phrase to understanding the role of faith as a theme in this film, because it's not they are transcending their institutionalized faith, the faith of the elders, they are unlocking the faith that drives them. That, dr- that drives them as human beings to that makes them behave in the ways that they behave and fuels their discussion throughout this entire film their discussions about forgiveness about uh, you know uh, about hate about hatred and, and retribution and things like that it's this faith that is more than what they've been told it's this faith that they yeah. feel within themselves that transcends the rules that assures them that what they are doing is the right decision. They talk about maybe we can find more more men of God who can you know, sort of absolve us of this. And that, that that idea sort of shut down is like, we don't need more men of God. What we need is, is, is our understanding of faith. And I think that is what that key line is. Is that they, I don't find the, their ideas of faith to be narrow at all in this film. It's very transcendent of the ideas of scriptured religion. Um, and that's why I love how, how this film deals with faith um, and, and how each of these characters uh, has their own ideas of it. Mm-hmm. I keep coming back to Claire Foy, but I'll say the moment where she's like, I will stand here and challenge God 
if he thinks that destroying evil where it lives is not, you know, is not the right course of action. If stay, that is, by staying here makes me a murderer, but I will be a murderer because God can judge me for what I've done, not the other people. Yeah, that is such an a fascinating sort of perspective on um, on on judgment and morality and doing the right thing in the face of your faith. And like being so self-assured that like God can judge me if he wants. I know I'm doing the right thing and still being committed to your faith. Again, that's why uh, Claire Foy is my favorite performance, favorite character in the film. Yeah, I think what's interesting is that you probably could have constructed a much more reductive version of this film wherein part of the message was that a in a secular society, this wouldn't have happened in the same way. Because yeah. in a secular society, the shit's happens all the time still right I, I i think the film is very good about if anything questioning these more dogmatic elements of religion as you're saying tanner and this narrative that they're not being injected with cow tranquilizer and then raped but they're being punished by the devil like mm -hmm. the film leaves faith space for the sort of recontextualization and challenging of faith while nonetheless upholding the elements of personal faith that remain important because I think that there is a, a sort of an impulse among especially a lot of left-leaning people contemporarily to ascribe bl blanketly abs ascribe a lot of social issues to religion and I think the film nicely gives the char characters of the other saying space to challenge it and reconcile w with it and and use it in a way that's productive and, and cathartic. I Another really important line, I think, and I don't remember exactly who said it or exactly how it was said, but to paraphrase, like, we're, to, we're, you know, we're spending all this time talking about what's going to happen to us in the next life, but shouldn't we also care what happens in this one, too? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's... Oh, no. Uh... I can't remember who it was. But but I think it's I think it's interesting just how we rationalize and, and sort of contextualize the role of faith positively and negatively because I agree with Tucker in that I am, I am not religious in any stretch of the imagination. I'm not. I'm not. Um, what it's it, you're. If you don't like religion, you think it's dumb. You're a blank atheist yep. or atheist, agnostic. Well, agnostic mm. is you don't know what you believe, right? I couldn't remember yeah. which is which. Yeah. Agnostic is is the sitting on the fence. Maybe a god exists, but you know I'm not going to commit. Atheist just, is yeah. religion doesn't exist. There is no higher power. Right. I'm the most, like, neutral pole possible. I just, my hands are washed of the entire matter. Sure. Perfect. You ask that me, what's going, yeah, you're like, what's going on with God? I'm like, who? <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so for me. I'm like, don't right, you mean so, the Buddha? I do like Buddhism. But for me, I, that's why I think this religious discussion is so fascinating, in part. Because mm -hmm. I like that, I like this why, because I agree with Tanner. I think it's quite a wide lens on faith. Yeah. I think that the way this film has the women the women take control of their lives in very many different ways throughout the film and in religion they i think at least the way i interpreted it the elders are men the elders are are, are not we don't see them yeah, no no chance they have a, a a female priest or whatever no chance no they while like wrestling themselves out of control of patriarchal society manage to come to a religious and faith-based understanding of taking control of their own faith and basically cutting out the middlemen of the elders and allowing their own, like you guys have been saying, I just think that the this theme of taking control is 
clearly applied to religion when they discuss like what they believe and what they are what is going to happen to them what happens in the next life and when they think about forgiveness and and what that means in a religious sense they are able to take control of their own faith in that moment and i think maybe that's why it feels so it feels good to us the way that the religion is discussed in the film because the characters we don't have to believe it but we see that the characters believe it wholeheartedly and they despite what might be you know this bad stuff that might be said to them in service like the faith has a positive impact and they can all think about it positively there's the moment where they're like we must you know we must must not think bad thoughts must not think bad you know they think they're mm -hmm. in up in one character's yeah so what i guess what i'm trying to say is that i appreciate the extension of that theme into religion and the ways that it so I, I don't know easily like allows us to get, be in it and to be immersed but to be open our eyes to be, being empathetic to characters that would be at least on the religious perspective we would have less of an understanding i i'm not religious either so it's like no. i've gone to church a little bit not much um if there's anything else to say on on the uh faith front here uh i i think we can but i do want to circle um back to uh the the themes of, of patriarchy as i sort of want to try and um dig into specifics of of character here um but it, 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 is that all good can i talk about that or do we have more faith here okay so uh i think another fantastic line a key theme line that we get is and i don't know who says it initially i think it's one of the two older women here who says um, the men taught the boys the you know the 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 benefits of power and they were excellent students. It's something along mm, that line. Yeah. Um, and you know because this film again does address the how how the patriarchy negatively affects of course women but also boys uh, as they you know are sort of lured into these roles of of abuse and abusing their power. But I feel it comes around again so brilliantly. Have to really applaud Sarah Polly writing this one here, where uh, Jesse Buckley's character, as one who uh, wants to stay and forgive, you know, somewhat maybe anchored by her children here, uh, somewhat maybe lulled into her place in the world by the abuse that she experiences from her husband. After coming to the realization that it is that the only choice for her and for her children is to leave says the line the men were not the only excellent students mm, and i yeah. think that's fantastic as well because it is you know it, it is indoctrination into the system of the patriarchy that she is directly experiencing and the realization that she comes to jesse buckley was a, was a favorite performance in this for a lot of people um and i can definitely see that i think she has a she has the maybe the biggest swing in perspective from being like we have to stay here we have to forgive to we have to leave, and that is the only way that forward for me and my children and in my community. And so, yes, uh, I want I wanted to to just acknowledge that 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 is a another very measured, very insightful, very intellectual uh, reading of the patriarchy through the lens of the circumstances of women talking. I I think uh, Jesse Buckley also has just a great acting moment when she hurriedly re-enters the barn and has her final conversation with August as mm -hmm. she's gathering up the axe and the various weaponry. 
I, I just sent the way she embodies like this. this Isn't that Claire Foy? I don't. Is it? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah here's the thing. And he, she, peeling he back the curtain Foy a little the gun. bit. Yeah. He, peeling back the curtain a little bit. In the costumes, Claire Foy and Jesse Buckley can look quite similar at times. I will. Right, I no, will sorry, give you Jesse that. Jesse Buckley got injured. Yes. Oh, yeah. She. Sorry, she. Yeah. Oh, she's she has her arm in a sling. She's yeah. big black eye. Yeah. Yeah. She's the one who got abused by her by her. Yeah, because Claire, yes. well, Claire wow. Foy has like the, the 14 year old son or whatever yes. she tranquilizes. Sorry. Yeah, and that's why yeah. she goes back into the barn. Well, I mean, in that case then. Yes. Reset. Talk about great acting moment, but I've already praised Claire Foy a lot. I'll praise a mm-hmm. different moment that I definitely know is Jesse Buckley. Okay. And it's actually an exchange between her and I believe Ona is the other one in the exchange. And it points to an, a larger um element of the interpersonal dynamics that I think is quite fascinating. In which um, Jesse Buckley becomes blamed in part for her inaction towards her husband and yeah. the notion that because of her inaction, she is going to cultivate an environment where, wherein her boys become monsters, I believe is to the effect of what she's yeah. told, I believe, by Ona. And the exchange they end up happening, having in which Jesse Buckley has this moment where she snaps and calls Ona a whore. Mm-hmm. I, I I think is is quite fascinating not only because it's so well delivered the the anger but I think it also points to the ways in which the infighting between the women is quite fascinating in that it's also reflective of the ways that in contemporary society the, it's it rings very true in in the disbelief and and the in the and the anger and 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 the disagreement that ends mm-hmm. up forming between people as people. Unfortunately, sometimes in these situations of sexual assault, take a side, and there these different sides and these different poles, mm-hmm. and even just on a on a human level, beyond that, all these women have these disagreements that I find quite fascinating. The other one that I really like, I believe this is between Claire Foy and definitely Mayall. Is that Mayall? Mayall. I think it's Mayall. Mayall. Yeah. When she has a panic attack and she's smoking, and is it Claire Foy or Jesse Buckley? Is like we've all been assaulted, but you can't seem to deal with it. I, one of the two. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel I like it's probably. It fe- I feel like it's probably Claire Foy. She's more of the yeah. firebrand type in this. I, I think that's such an interesting moment because there's also these elements of identity that 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 flare up, um, both in that moment, but then in terms of sort of gender identity and the character of Melvin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, who is who? Who? It's seemingly transitions after being raped and, and the sort of like fight for recognition amongst these women wherein she has this very um or he has this very emotional moment where he uh like begins to cry when when the name melvin is used mm-hmm. at, toward, towards the end i think the ways that the film in it in the way that it does for men or religion it makes the women not a monolith, yeah, but, yeah. but but a sort of collective of individuals. Yeah. And the ways that they have conflict in still in service of this larger goal, I find to be quite fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That, well, that's why I say it is like a, a pure ensemble here. No, yeah. no one person gets, you know, gets more shine, more play than any other one person. Maybe some of them have showier performance moments, like when Claire Foy gets to attack the, the shack full of men with a scythe or, 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 or um, 
challenge God in that barn and stuff like that. But even like a, an understated performance like Rooney Mara's as Ona, she is very you get the intelligence in her, this quietness that, that resounds within her and this how she has basically her entire uh, thought process laid out that, you know, this child of a man who raped her is like, I, I'm, I, I love this child and it's not even born yet. And, you know, yeah. it, it, it is innocent in this moment. And, you know, we need to we need to cherish that in, innocence and uh, and form it into a, a, a positive role for, you know, moving forward out of this community and making our own one. Um, so yeah, I, 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 Rooney Mara also fantastic. I just think that every performance in this is very, very good. Can we talk about some more filmic elements now? Yeah, sure, we've, sure. We've been very script core, which I love. Yeah, yeah, we <laughs> it, It's the one nomination Abram, it got. We kind of have that's to. That's also what Quest is. Let's yeah. be honest. Yes. Let's yeah, be real. I will be, <laughs> we, we, I will be we, real we, about this movie though and, and say that I really feel like the thematic what it, what the film is trying to say is not communicated very much besides from our editing is not really communicated through filmic elements like shot composition and lighting and costumes and the sound design i don't think really plays into telling me what i should be getting out of the film i feel like the editing does a, does all the heavy lifting and all the other categories are just there in service of creating a movie rather than propelling our thematic ideas forward and and having the film say even more i feel like it just we, this the film itself is script core and so these other elements yeah. we don't get frames that like like a low angle frame that like sh makes us believe this character is very powerful or stuff like that it's all very neutrally shot which yeah. to me i want more i want the i want the director's hand a little more in telling me what they think of this situation and of of reality as i don't know in the Freudian sense, films are our collective dreams, and they uh, can be used to analyze our current ideas. And this film yeah. doesn't use the filmic language to present enough current ideas, I feel like, outside of the script. The, and this is the last time I'll say this, but in the Sarah Polly interview that I listened to, um, she mentioned wanting to try and make it um, as cinematic as possible. And she, 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 she mentioned that like because she understands that it can feel stage play like in, in in its setting and its construction she's like i'm surprised this has not been applied to be 100 honest i know that, yeah exactly build a barn set be. slap some people on the stage boom mm -hmm. i mean this is such a, a new novel that yeah. i would not be surprised oh, that's fair yeah um but no she said that I, I did try to make it uh as cinematic as possible and sorry sarah polly but i don't know how much you succeeded in that frankly i mean to be fair she hasn't made a movie in 10 years, and her last film was a documentary about, uh, or, or like a faux documentary about her own family, I think. So, I, I, I can free... You I also can know free who hasn't made a film in 10 years? Todd Field and James Cameron. Yes, yes, fair <laughs> point. Um, but, yeah, to that extent, I feel that, you know, the, the camera is... I mean, the cinematography is well done here. So, I mean, set construction, costumes, and everything are very period, or not period accurate, but setting accurate, rather. Um, and, and it's very good, but I just don't know how cinematic this film feels for whatever that word really means. It succeeds so, in keeping me watching a one-scene, six-character story that could be done on a play. It could be done as a, as a as a stage play. It succeeds in keeping me interested, and 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 so maybe that's perhaps a, a good example of its yeah. cinema cinematographicness. 
So I am, I'm largely of the opinion that I'm not even sure that it's incredibly successful at a baseline level. I do think that in our conversation, we've sort of reached a, a point of maybe the costuming not doing a good enough job, even in, in differentiating character. Now, again, I get that at a certain point, everybody wears the same thing. Yeah. Everybody is, is going to be in a house that looks similar, and there's going to be a homogeny to all of it. But I do think some more inventive work on a production design level could have continued the uncanny sense of time and place because there are moments like putting on a Band-Aid or seeing the, the census truck go by or mm -hmm. seeing August right with a ballpoint pen or going inside of a house for an insert shot with a baby on a tiled floor. I think that there are elements of production design that are really effective in, in becoming eerie in terms of where we're set. But I don't think that it's effective on the whole. I also uh, am of the opinion that, that the that the washed out color grading is to me a, a detriment to what is being created here. Because I do think, again, in, in perhaps in service of the uncanny, having a little bit more saturation might have been very interesting at times, or at least like, playing with it. There, playing with, there's with a the little bit. And I think that little bit and not leaning into it is what... Yeah disappoints me the most about the color grading choice which i agree i think is a, is a is a net yeah. negative um for me because i i do feel like that also contributes to it feeling samey across the course of the film is not only are these characters wearing similar outfits because you know probably a couple of women in the community made them and they're using the couple kinds of cloth that they've either made themselves or have purchased somewhere else it's, it's obviously very insular in that way and intentionally so but having a lack of color grading also means that sometimes especially if it's at night there's not much color difference between their skin and this clothes that they're wearing or the background and the clothes that they're wearing which can be hard visually to maintain visual interest and i i was watching it especially for the color grading and i was like okay there are moments where the sun comes up and there's more color and you can see like the tint of their skin a little more and especially with the orange slow slow the heck down don't hit the carriage sign like that is a bright orange but these elements aren't aren't played with as you as you said and i think that if it had felt more intentional because it ha there was the possibility to be more varied i would have felt like okay i understand this decision a little more as it stands it's so static in the color grading and and that sort of wraps a a blanket of gauze around the entire thing of i want to appreciate the set design and the costuming but they all look gray because the color grading is so heavy that it drains any intrigue i can have in a visual sense i do think the one um visual choice that i do really like is the time of day changing of course that happens across the course of the film that, that gives different scenes different tone um but primarily in the first few scenes that are set during the daytime the bright light that is shining through the slats of the barn i felt mm -hmm. i found to be very visually striking um in the way that it frames things and the lighting is done in just a way so it's like it's not overpowering them you can just see, see their faces but it makes this like geometric background that i found to be I, I don't know if it's like thematically interesting in any way which might play into what timo was saying kind of looks like could... prison bars in a way sure yeah it, it, it could but also it's not like leaning into that so like yeah you kind of make gotta make the inference there um but uh, yeah visually I think this movie is is bland. I think it's boring. I think it's below average. And I think that women talking as a 
visual filmic experience could have been significantly more engaging to me. I like colorful things. If they had gone with a little bit more saturation, a little more variability in the saturation, um, which is why I, I push back at, oh, the, the color grading is a choice and you shouldn't criticize it. I'm like, no, but it negatively impacted my viewing experience and I think the movie would have been better if there was more saturation. So I, I think it's a very valid criticism. Well, it definitely say, impacts saying, my engagement. Tucker, who is saying that uh, the color grading is a People choice and you can't criticize it? Because me, me, you could say that about anything, every, Tucker. <laughs> everything is a choice that you can criticize. That's that's What I'm going to criticize about the choice is that, okay, so in my in my newest and greatest media studies class, my this professor of mine is always about connecting aesthetic observations. Oh God, I totally you got to connect your aesthetic observation with your interpretive claim about the movie and the color mm. grading and the cinematography do not allow me to make a connection. We can make connections about the mise en scène. the The film is set in this Mennonite colony, and that connects to our claim about what it's saying of these issues being still very present in real world and us kind of slipping back as we were t talking about earlier, but I can't find that linkage between why the film is graded like this and then what that is saying about this story. I don't, it's, is it graded like this because it, we're in Do a dull color has been drained from life because or, of the like, or is it just purely like a making us feel like, like, like we're out of time anachronistic, you know, almost that you, like we're, we're, we got a little sepia but i don't tone, feel I guess, like that's what the, the point of the movie is the point of the movie is that these are these is is the opposite of anachronistic it is chronistic yeah. because this is happening now because a it's happening now and and b the things that they're talking about are like so yeah. relevant and and so which is if, why yeah i don't think it it works even in in, in that regard yeah yeah i i do though want to talk about how i think images are used quite effectively my one sort of major praise of the film what i was talking about i think with when i said the editing does good storytelling yes. yeah i think the editing is very effective to get us into these sequences of the women and i mentioned this earlier the women realizing that they have been raped or or that and then sort of the subsequent emotional release i i think the the moment of and i'm not I'm going to have no clue who... I'm not even sure if we're supposed to know exactly which character is which. Mm. But but the one whose hands are covered in blood, and then she goes and smears her hands all over the wall. Oh, that is um, that is uh, Melvin. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah That's right probably the most striking of those, like, flashback, cutaway, whatever you want to and call it. And those flashbacks just, are horrifying, and this yes. one is the most horrifying. It is. Uh, it's so much blood. It's it's stomach churning. Yeah. There's there's actually one for me that in its um in its restraint I found actually even more harrowing. It's it's when it's this it's this sort of overhead shot of the bed, mm -hmm. and it's a, basically a silent shot of the of the woman getting up out of bed, and as she stands up, you just see this this dark red puddle of blood in the mattress well a dark color color of blood right Presumably I, guess I, red. I guess i have to infer mm -hmm. yeah um and the camera lingers just long enough for you to sit in this eerily quiet moment of this woman as though i have just gotten out of bed in the morning for class get up and walk out of begin to walk out of frame and there's just blood because she's been raped 
and her mm-hmm. legs are covered in bruises. I, I think that to me in that in that restraint there's an even greater horror, but I think you're right that in terms of just shocking imagery, Melvin smearing the blood all over the wall is is like in my it's not going anywhere. It's it's similar mm-hmm. to um the the fork suicide from All Quiet. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um well, something quick I just wanted to bring up. I, I think you you were mentioning that I think it's Ona is the one who sort of gets up out of bed and sort of goes about her life. And it's really it's something that struck me is like, yeah, because what can they do? Like, yeah. what, what do you do? There's that. a futility to it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and of oh. course, that's what the entire film is reckoning with. What do they do? But, I think what oh. I, I do want to say, yeah. um, an element of this film that I think we have neglected to, to talk about, and it's not a hugely prevalent uh, element of the film, but I think one that also makes it feel much more um, genuine, is that they're... This isn't a completely dour film, of course, thematically and, yeah, and topic-wise yeah. it is, but there are a number of sequences that are children playing in a field, that, that are that have happy music that remind these characters what they are fighting for to make these happy moments and the, the, um, the hope that they feel continue into the future. We continue to flash back to, or, or flash over to scenes of kids playing and or yep. a mom having fun with her children or or um sharing a meal or whatever it is the the fact that this movie isn't 100 percent serious and down and these people are sad of course they've all they are they've experienced something bad but there is a spark of hope as i mentioned earlier and yep. it's communicated through these cutaways to the the life that they want to lead the idealized life of children having fun people working together us improving our lives so it can be better for children in the future. I think that having those adds that actual layer of we we can make this work, and this is what we're fighting for. And I, mm-hmm. I really like the inclusion of those. And There's at even the same time, times. though, you must remember that most of these children, in some ways, could have been born from these from the true. rapes that yeah. were, that are the central Absolutely conflict the There's issue. Even a number of times where our characters laugh, you know, they they, they someone yeah, some, yeah, something absolutely. strange happens, someone tells a joke, something like that. Uh, uh, I think it's so one of the characters jumps out a window onto a big pile of hay. Um, yeah. One know, of the we, younger girls, which yeah, hmm, I'm questioning about the younger girls because they don't feel super important, but we haven't even we, touched we on are, them at all. No, we and we are getting dangerously close to our cardinal rule of not going longer than the runtime of the film. <laughs> oh god. Uh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> uh but anyway, yeah, it, it, but it's the it's that thing of like sometimes people laugh as hard as they want to cry as the narration says at one Great of those line. moments. Yep. But as I said, we're getting close to our cardinal rule here. Is there anything else that needs to be addressed? Is there is there anything for sound mode to to, to remark about i like the score it's a little bit samey but i like it yeah the, the, the score works the the one sound note i have is that the sound of children playing is a sound that i hear every day because it's like a playground across my street and even though my neighbor hates that sound i love that sound and the way there's just like the jovial atmosphere yeah. it is a nice breakup to hear this like in some ways our human brains are just kind of programmed to like that noise and to be like things are good except your neighbor yeah except my neighbor well <laughs> she was under some some stress during that time when she went out and yelled at the kids playing across the street in a crazy scene but the um the 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 sound of children playing i feel like is an is an important sound to hear and one that lifts our spirits 
and one that makes us feel less bad about everything, even though I think consciously we feel very bad, but but subconsciously it's we're like it can be okay. Things can yeah, turn out the hope. eventually. They can be all right. And these mm-hmm. and these children are none the wiser to what's going on right now, and that's how it should be. They need to be protected and taught um, to preserve their innocence. Yeah. Other than that, no, I don't really think that the film does a whole lot with sound. Uh, the interesting sound note is the sound of like wind chimes that play. It's um, a very, very atmospheric yeah, film. It 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 like really sets us in the setting. I feel like, but may so it maybe tricks us a little bit into believing that we're not in the time that we are through the use of sound. I don't hear planes, don't hear cars, don't hear stuff that would set us in a uh, in a modern landscape, even though we are. Score time. Score time. I mean, you sure we can't go another twenty minutes and just pass, just pass it? No, we we can't. We, Timo reminds us of, of that rule every so often, so we cannot. It's we never cannot break before. it. Well, it's never I'm, happened before. I'm not, a, Abram, unless well, you're going to talk for twenty too. minutes straight about, do you have something that you wish to go over? <gasps> no. <laughs> Let's give it a shot. Just, just like the idea that it could happen. Mm-hmm. I just like the concept. I got a number. Me too. Okay. Three, two, one. Okay, we've got a score. It is not a tie. We've added some more numbers to our list. We gave Women Talking an 8.4 out of 10. The point breakdown, starting from the top, is Tucker with an 8.7. Tanner gave it an 8.6. Abram gave it an 8.1. And I gave it an 8.0. So we think this film gets about an 8. And it got right in the middle of an 8. So there you go. 8.4. I was shocked when I saw those things are all in because I thought that I was the lowest on this movie. I don't know why. I think we all we all kind of like we're on the same point for this, but like apparently I was the highest. So, but also I will fully admit my um, score shifted up as as the discussion went on, and I realized mm-hmm. that for a film like this, that is so much about its script and its themes and what it can say as a message film for today. That is what this film needs to do, and it does that impressively damn well and so i i've raised my score probably half a point almost a full point um wow. over the course of this discussion because i i really just think that in terms of being distinct it does that never seen a film drill in like this never seen a film look like this that's a little bit of a downside mm-hmm. but see but when a fi- i think a film can work in one of its elements so strongly that it's that it subverts like what i usually go into films for and i as i said at the beginning i still do think that some of the characters blend together i don't like the color grading i do think that it it does feel samey in sequences because of the lack of a variety in cinematography but i almost even though i care about those in the moment i think in terms of my scoring i don't let those really reflect because this film sets out to achieve what it does and does that like gave us gave us an hour 20 minutes worth of just like talking about like Every element of the world of like oh, being possible. Well, we were very talkative during this episode. Fittingly men so. I talking say, about fittingly so. Women talking. Anyway, I just I just what? like this. I just like this film as this sort of thematic and um, aesthetic, and I think uh, quality wise, opposite of promising young woman. Okay. Well, mm. fellas, I Let's hope throw that... a jab at the end. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'll well. just I'll just say that a score of eight point oh. <laughs> Is a, We're getting so close, people. We gotta okay, go. Tanner. Why does it matter? Go. 8.0 is a good movie. 
in uh, in most regards. It's very good. I think it's, yeah. a, I think it's a great movie. Yeah. I will yeah. just say, and Tanner, mind your beeswax. Oh man, oh geez. I I do I do just We're think fine. that this. <sighs> The, the, the strength of the script and hey it's 12 12 midnight time for me it's a different I want day you to go to i want here. you to go to bed abram that's what i want but i want to say this first i i i think that the script is just so good and and i think yeah. that the themes are just so important and they're yeah. so robustly explored that to tucker's point it looks kind of like man of steel and it kind of doesn't do a whole lot with itself filmically but ultimately I think that there is also something to be said for the ways that, in particular, performance elevates this script so far above. And I, because I, I think to myself sometimes when a film leans so heavily upon a script for its merit to where I'm like, well, maybe I would have just rather have read the book. Maybe I would have just rather read Women Talking. But I actually don't think that's the case because I would have wanted those lines read by Claire Foy and by Jesse yeah. Buckley, mm -hmm. and by Rooney Mara. So I, I think that this is a Francis really <laughs> right. No, she would have just been cowering yeah. in in the corner. I, I I I just think that the performance is so wonderful, and I think that it is a huge shame that they didn't get nominated. And I think it's also a huge shame that who's at MGM completely yep. bungled the release of this film. Just yeah. bungled it. Just yeah. fucking bungled it. Yeah. It's, very poorly, yeah. We, and um, we were sharing. It also so, succeeded. We were like it, it beat the impossible and got a best picture nomination. Yeah, off one it, other we, nomination. We all thought that back in the season, we're like, this is like a number three in best picture. You know, where all these performances are getting nominated. Sarah Pauly's getting nominated. Da 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 da. And lo and behold, United Artists MGM just really fumbled the bag on this one. But I guess since we're, since we're all giving uh, closing thoughts, I'll I'll try to put a bow on everything here and say that, yeah, don't go I mean, I know I'm, I'm watching you. Tucker. <laughs> I won't everyone. I will not. Here we go. So stop, so stop prolonging me. You know, it's a very dense script. I think it's a, a, an intensely well-written film and there was a lot to talk about. And we did for nearly the entire runtime of the film ended up. Uh, at, I, I don't know. I don't know if we said this, but we, we were, it's at number eight of nine uh, of, on the list, just mm -hmm. above triangle of sadness. Um, and if I may transition us into the end of the episode, mm -hmm. up next, up rounding next. out, which, what movie could it possibly be? Which one could it possibly be? You know, we're going from a, from a intensely dense, intensely intellectual film into something equally of that measure, I would say, or not depending on your perspective. It is the film that saved movie theaters. It is. Top Gun no Maverick. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's me flying my plane. Yeah. Let we me say, that yes, Abram. high stakes here because this is, I'm telling this is something that I've made, made up in my head. Yeah. This is the rewatch of Top Gun Maverick that determines if it breaks into my top 10 favorite films of all time. Or not. Hey, listen, man. This one, it, we, we saved it for last because we want to see it in theaters mainly, but like yes. this one could fucking turn on the afterburners and shoot to the top of that list, okay? It's not impossible. Holy shit. God, guys, what a great line. Let, what let's a talk about, talk about afterburners. No, 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 we gotta go. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> People, do your little peace outro. Yeah. Top Gun Maverick, 
I can't wait to watch this movie. I've been saving myself to watch this movie for Quest. You haven't um, seen it, Timo? No, never seen it. What? Never That's seen the first insane. one either. So we're going to have a great perspective okay. on it. You don't have to see the first one. First one's very good. I, I really enjoy oh. it, but it's, it's, so, it's solid. Maverick's better. This is a, one of those movies that I'm supposed to watch. So uh, I'm, I will enjoy my time viewing it. And, uh, and until then, very good discussion today. Weighty, I know. I'm going to do something to lift my spirits after the episode for sure. But... Thanks for joining me to talk about women talking. Men talk about women talking on the quest for the bestest. Until next time, stay cool, keep it warm, and uh, peace. <laughs>